So welcome to another episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet? So today we are joined by Alexis Eyre and Paul Randall. They are sustainable marketing consultants and the co-founders of the Sustainable Marketing Compass. Welcome, Alexis and Paul. Wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, well, thanks for having us. It's brilliant. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. So let's kick off then with a little bit of a backstory about how you two have come together to be working um, both with the marketing and, and the developing the sustainable marketing compass and the work that you're doing. So, um, yeah, so but Paul and I met on um, the Cambridge Institute of Sustainability Leadership course on business sustainability management. I'm really sorry, it's the world's longest <laughs> title. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we, we both were on it. It's an eight-week course, amazing course if anyone um, wants to learn more about that. Um, it's, uh, and we, yeah, we, and we were some of the very few marketers on there. And um, I suppose we met because both of us felt like we had horns coming out of our heads. And, and we felt like everyone, whenever we introduced ourselves and said that we were from marketing, everyone was like, oh, you're the part of the problem. <laughs> and I think that was kind of where... I suppose uh, we ended up meeting going, gosh, what are we going to do about this? And, um, and so that's basically where it started. And, and, and I was working for an agency at the time and uh, Paul was a consultant. Although yeah. I let him answer. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was consulting on an automotive client or had been. Um, uh, and my little trigger to get myself onto that course was um, literally my daughter walking up to me after I'd finished on a call with that client and asking out loud, Daddy, is your job good for the environment? Mm. Um, which kind of the guilt complex came rushing straight in. Uh, and that was the trigger for me to go on the course. But, but I had exactly the same um, feelings of kind of being the odd one out and being in the wrong place, being on the course. Yeah, I think we had a similar story yeah. in terms of our calling out the um, the marketing industry. Obviously, when I was at CIM representing the industry and we used to moan relentlessly about marketing being a huge driver of the problem with consumption and, and waste. And then we obviously wrote the book and that, then you can't unsee it, can you, once you see it? It's just, that's it. And you feel compelled as we've had loads of conversations around between the four of us. You, yeah. It feels, feel, goes into every aspect of your life, doesn't it? It does, you know, to, to the point where you start losing friends. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you, you have to kind of like know when to turn it on or off, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, there can be a lot of eyeball rolling, can't there? Um, but I think it's growing, isn't it? And and definitely the organisations, this seems to be becoming increasingly important sustainability, of course, on everybody's agenda. And uh, people waking up to the fact that it isn't just about a department that is focused on sustainability, but actually this is something that works across the whole value chain of an organisation. And, and that's where marketing often does touch on many different components of a business. You know, we're often the people liaising with lots of other different departments and divisions across an organisation. So our position is that that's why marketing is in a very exciting position to actually 
lead the way and champion many of the shifts and changes that need to happen, particularly when it comes to communication and uh, research and insights and and how we're actually the messaging and how we're we're bringing this to to the market and the things that we're saying as brands and organisations. So tell us a little bit about where you guys are right now, because I know you've got some interest. You, you, very excitingly, you recently launched the Sustainable Marketing Compass. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, um, one of the things that happened as a part of that course was, you know, first of all, you go, I'm leaving marketing, you know, we're complicit in the problem. Let's get out. Let's go do something that's more worthwhile in a, in a different area. Um, but actually, very skilled lecturers kind of basically sat us down and said, no, look, marketing is a lot to add. A lot of it's about behavioral change. And actually, marketeers are experts at behavioral change. So that took Alexis and I off on a, on a journey of discovery, which was like, if marketing can change behavior, but actually it's changing the wrong behaviors at the moment, how do we make it a force for good? And we started doing some research into the origins of marketing, the toolkits and the frameworks of marketing. And one thing leapt out right from the start, that even those very, very early tools like the four Ps and things of that nature were all designed around commercial performance. Yep. There's nothing in the marketer's toolkit that helps with sustainable performance or societal performance. It's all about commercial performance. So if you want marketing to be you know, equally joining the other departments within the corporate board and driving the sustainability agenda, it's got to re-equip itself with tools that help it do that. And, and to your point about, you know, it, it touches on all points of the, the, the corporate machine there, Michelle. I, I agree, it does. But actually, operations, manufacturing, supply chain have all been having to do an element of sustainability for years, largely through legislation and things of that nature. Yep. And marketing's kind of got away scot-free and hasn't had to do much. Now it's been the spotlight's coming onto it without a new toolkit to help it improve, you know, it's... It is in danger, as I've been saying a few times, of becoming a corporate stranded asset. So rethinking marketing then um, and reshaping what marketing looks like uh, often isn't necessarily just about kind of reinventing something, but maybe adding a different lens, a different operational lens around some of the models, some of the methodologies around marketing. So um, what about... What about the practical aspects? Because, of, as you said, with marketers having frameworks and, and new resources and different ways of kind of approaching the way that they operate, that, that's one aspect. But what about then tangibly making this happen from a very practical level? Where are you seeing um, the challenges that marketers are facing when it comes to actually taking these shifts and using these frameworks and then bringing them into the reality of, of, of making change happen, making these shifts happen. So I think, I think that, that we, so we launched the Sustainable Marketing Compass, which is a strategic framework to help marketing embed sustainability. And the reason we did that was precisely for that reason. The challenge that was existing was that there was all these amazing pockets of wonderful things going on, but there was nothing that kind of linked them all together and said, Right. If you want to build sustainability into the core of marketing, these are the steps you need to take to be able to instill it. 
and you can adapt it to your own company. But it was just a planning framework that means that people can literally work through it step by step, sort out their strategic foundations and then go into the activation area. And I think hopefully from the feedback, that's that's really helped people actually finally have something that they can work to and, and a mm-hmm. practical way, a practical thing they can work against, you know, a step-by-step process because everyone loves a step-by-step process. Something where, you know, the the, the answers, well, it's not the answers in, in exactly how they're going to do it, but the answers of what they need to think about are actually there and, and, and pulling all that amazing work that we're just seeing, you know, together into one place and how you apply it. I think the big challenge really comes is is that re- reorientation of marketing you know um we've been working with a, a big grocer at the moment who's who's had a challenges around the refill sections and the problem they're having is they're saying we must be doing this to get away from plastic but they're competing with themselves because they're pumping all their marketing money into driving single-use commercial plastic at the other end of the store so it's actually really getting um brands to start thinking Actually, if we're going to bring environmental societal in, we're going to have to rethink what our commercial success looks like in comparison. So it becomes basically a sort of regulation valve or sort of regulatory valve um, rather than a driver. It actually becomes a valve saying, right, we've focused too much on commercial. We haven't focused enough on societal and environmental in the last quarter. Now we need to shift and we need to make sure that Societal and um, environmental are also considered so that we're driving just as much success in those two pillars as well. So I think it's, it's that's the sort of change in marketing. And I think the challenge comes from pulling people away from the traditional way of thinking and starting to reapply it and rethink of it with a new lens. Because marketing's got two challenges here, hasn't it? It's got its internal challenge, which is it's got to bring that information in to say, look what look what is needed, you know, environmentally, look what is needed societally, look at what is needed commercially, look what other organizations are doing. And they need to then build that business case internally. So the strategic parts of the, of the compass need to be applied there. Building in the bigger, broader things like the SDGs and the, you know, the, the Climate Paris Agreement and all of those things. And then they've got the challenge of going out externally to to citizens and people and saying, engage with this. And then rightfully, you're going to a a grocer, a supermarket and go, but you're still selling those because you can't just take it away overnight, can you? So marketers have got this huge internal and external, as well as shifting our own minds out of this. We've got to then change everybody else's minds as well, haven't we? Uh, absolutely on that you know and it's changing minds on both sides of the equation as you're saying there but also in its own implementation you know there's the impact from its commercial performance that it grows you know that, that it drives as the as the purpose disruptors kind of highlighted with our advertising emissions report but actually one of the things we also talk to a lot of people about is the own impacts of marketing itself so as much as changing behavior it's kind of understanding where kind of you know, media's having no impact or production's having no impact or events are having an impact and making sure that is being reduced uh, at the environmental level. But increasingly, I'm of the opinion that, that there's a societal impact of marketing needs as much, if not more, focus. You know, there's the phrase that's been coined as uh, the brain print of marketing. And this is where I think a lot of work needs to be done. You know, there's tools out there now that can help benchmark the carbon footprint of your media campaign or things of that sort of nature. There's very little out there that helps you 
benchmark the brain print of what you're putting out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how do you actually do that? It, you know, we've started trying to get ahead around that. It's really complicated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if the average individual has been served 10,000 media impressions a day, they're all now personalized and they're all personalized to say, you've got a problem. Our product can solve that problem. That's 10,000 personalized negative messages that the industry is serving on a daily basis. So where's the collective step back to say, what impact is that having at the societal level? And how do we make sure we understand that impact and then do something about it? We actually did just a scan. It was 10 minute scan. That's all it was of Google, of adverts that were live right now. And literally it was saying, your hair's too frizzy. You're not a man if you don't wear proper sneakers. You're, you know, how can you say you've lived if you haven't traveled to 35 countries? You know, it was literally just, t- it, it, it is awful. When I pulled them all together in one side, you, you, and you wonder why we have societal issues and why everyone thinks they're not good enough and why everyone is discontent and feels they need to, to buy more. It's because we're being told constantly that we are not, we're not good individuals. We're not right. We're, we've got constant things wrong with us. And it's, it is really shocking when you start seeing that. And I only pulled what was it, 25 ads? And to think we have 10,000 impressions a day served to us on average. It just is shocking when you start to dive into the societal element. It is huge. And I'm just reading Lost Connections by Johan Hari at the moment, which is saying, you know, the internet came along when we were already in the, you know, in a depressed and anxious state because yeah. for years we've been told everything that's wrong and these products are made to make us feel good. But actually they don't make us feel good, but it's how do you break away from those? And, you know, Paul, you mentioned brain print there. Can you tell us, I I hear the term brain print all the time and I've Googled it and I've sat and you've said it's complex. It is complex. Could you just tell us a little bit more about what brain print is for for some of the listeners that may have not heard the term before? Yeah, it's the impact your messaging has on on your emotions and on your, your thinking. It's, you know, we deliver creative. We pride ourselves in that ability to be very creative. We deliver creative that's designed to drive an emotive response. You know, that emotive response is going to live, leave an imprint on the individuals that are seeing those messages and digesting those messages. We need to be aware of what that is at the collective level. You know, we can track it with all our data and all our kind of technical prowess, how well that delivered against the commercial objectives. But actually, that emotive impact, that you know, mental impact that those messages are happening, you know, what is that? How do we get a view on that? How do we start to understand it for good and for bad? You know, one place where we did see something was with all the um, analysis of the impact of Instagram on teenage girls. You know, there's some pockets of evidence coming up that shows where that brain impact is not good. Mm. And we don't have an industry-wide perspective on that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you talk about brain print and the impact of the messaging and the campaigns that are having in the hearts and minds of the people that are absorbing those, that leads me to think of the role of brand. You know, yes. that's that's kind of branding, isn't it? That's what brand was all about. The the impact, you don't own the brand, you're responsible for that brand. Yeah. But the brand is really this essence of what the people think about your 
your product, your service, your message, your, you know, and what lives on in, in the hearts and minds of the those people that are touched by that. And so do you think that what's happened with marketing, you know, and it, I don't know, I'm just asking the question with the four of us, is that because I do think there is this huge disconnection from brand and we do have these more purpose-led, impact-driven organisations that seem to get it right. You know, the messaging that they put out isn't disconnected from who they are as an organization. It's it's streamlined, it's aligned. It is, you know, you'd expect them to be saying positive things because that's how they've positioned their brand. And that's that's the essence of, of their existence. It's why they exist. They've got their purpose and their vision and their mission and their values all tied up beautifully. Do you think what's happened with marketing is that it's just become that brand has become so disassociated and so disconnected and so, I suppose, bastardized and and um, fragmented that organizations, particularly large organizations, have just lost the connection with with brand. And it's it's all just about money, 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 profits, margins, and that they just have lost that connection with what their brand was meant to stand for, if indeed it was meant to stand for something good at the beginning. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think that there is. It's become so performance driven that I think you know Mark Ritson goes on about this all the time. This sort of performance driven that they've lost the whole perspective on branding. Full stop. I think it's become so focused on the individual with that, with and so little attention is paid to the much wider branding piece. I think there's other two challenges to that as well, and probably why those companies are probably doing so well is that, firstly, when people talk about sustainable marketing, they think it's just about communicating a sustainability message, which it mm. absolutely isn't. And I think that that message needs to be broken because actually sustainable marketing is about making your marketing sustainable, both operationally and strategically. And within that is putting a sustainability lens on everything, which basically when it comes to your brain print, which is everything you do and say, every single, yep. every single touch point you have with the outside world needs to have that sustainability lens put out. So whether that's imagery or messaging or who you sponsor, you know, which events you sponsor, which um, which influencers you've decided to bring on board or ambassadors or however you want to call them because everyone calls them something different depending on what they think about them. Um, you know, it's you can't have a sustainability perspective and then have a marketing team, you know, a sustainability perspective that's saying we're going, you know, to a low carbon operations, you know, operation system and then you've got your marketing team sponsoring Formula One or something yeah. like that. I mean, and I know Formula yeah. One are trying really hard, but the brain print of Formula One is still very much focused on the fact they are big fossil fuel driven cars. I know they're mass efficient, but they still are, no matter what you say. And I think that's where there is that disconnect as well. It's like you can't just talk about your sustainability efforts within your company. You have to literally live and breathe it. Every yeah. single decision needs to have a sustainability lens put on, on it. But so it aligns with the rest of your company. Otherwise, you're just sitting in the greenwashing space effectively because you get this massive disconnect. To that point, it's there's there's two things, isn't there? There is there's the greenwashing, green hushing. So more brands need to, more organizations need to get a bit braver and go, we're doing this. But we are, we know we have so much more to do. Just as a first message, we have more to do. And but we are looking at it almost like we're, we're looking at it. And then I think to that point you've just made there, 
it's a case of putting that sustainable lens over. So if you have an event, don't put plastic, single-use plastic water on all the tables. Don't have plastic cutlery. Think about, you know, where your where the food is going to come from. Think about the, you know, don't have it in the middle of nowhere so everyone has to drive there. It's those little things. And they're not not even rocket science, is it? It's just once you put that sustainable lens over, you naturally think differently about things. And you just, you're not on the same treadmill, are you, with that single commercial goal of it's got to do acquisition or it's retention. It's it's about thinking about things differently. And there's so many options out there, aren't there, for people to replace what they do today or change. Yeah, but I think there's also a bit of a challenge in that, in that plethora of options and complexity. It's kind of like, where, where do you start? And I think absolutely right companies can't go out with a fait accompli message around sustainability we're done we're we're, we're fixed it's like no you haven't because nobody knows the answer yet it's it's all a journey um but looking at the other parts of the corporate board you can't just say we're on a journey you have to prove your effectiveness and progression along that journey and this is one of the big things we're trying to crack with the compass um, is the sense of governance that marketing needs to kind of adhere itself to. So it's like, you know, I am taking the brain print message seriously. I am putting these steps in place. And this is, you know, the reduction we've been able to bring in just as you've been able to, you need to do with media or with your production and things of that nature. And, you know, marketing's so complex. It's got so many channels, so many vehicles for delivery. Um, it's very hard to figure out where to start. And we're trying to figure out kind of, is there an overarching governance framework that says kind of, here's all my areas of impact. Here's where I can, how I can benchmark, benchmark myself and show where my improvement is. Um, and that's, that's where it gets hard. Um, mm. Alexis and I constantly joke about we don't want to become auditors. Um, I, I spent a lot of my early part of my career in British Standards Institution. It's definitely not where I want to be. I want to be in the creative marketing industry, but we do need to have those governance frameworks in place. I do think it will actually, though, become easier. I was mulling over the governance framework, actually, as we were speaking. You know, I do think it'll become easier, much like when you start a new company and you know when every single thing, you're trying to remember everything. You're like, where am I meant to put my teacup at the end of the day? <laughs> or whatever it is. It's, it's all those things. And then within a month, it becomes second nature and you know where to put it. And I, I do think with some of the governance stuff, I think it's one of those things that will be really hard to grasp to start with and it will be a massive to-do list. But I think once it starts to become ingrained and, and people just start thinking like that, I think it will become a lot easier. So it was like, I must always have a carbon consideration for every decision I make. You know, I must always think, is this the lowest carbon option around? And I think to start with, I think, you know, by no means do are we saying this is going to be easy. This is a massive shift in everything that we've known before. And I think it will take time. And I think we, you know, being aware that it will take time. It's not going to be an instant transition, but I think it will start to become second nature, much like those big impact brands that are already out there. It is already second nature that they don't even consider having single-use plastic bottles if they decide to run an event even on the table. It just doesn't, they don't, it doesn't even not, come into their yeah. mind. They just don't even think about it because it's been so ingrained with them. So I think it, it, there will be a lot of conscious thinking to start with. You know, Before we get to the subconscious stage, I think in governance, it will... 
you will get to that. But then you've also got the big regulatory governance thing, you know, much like the medical things. And I think, I mean, gosh, even the best experts need to navigate some of those guidelines from, <laughs> you know, the medical um, bodies. And also the, the, the conversation I've been uh, having with people and saying to people is we need to get it normal and not kind of a feel uncomfortable moment when you say to someone who comes to you from another organization about working with you, what are you doing around that? What are you doing around your carbon footprint? What's your sustainable development you know, agenda moving forward? Because people go, well, I don't really want to ask that question. But if you're going to collaborate with people, if we're going to work together, because collaboration is the only way we are going to do this, that shouldn't be an uncomfortable question. And Adam Bastock talks about it all mm. the time, doesn't he? That should be one of the first questions you ask. What are you, what's your sustainable agenda? There's parallels to, Gemma, you know I've spoke about this, there's parallels to the, the old digital transformation. Mm. You know, the, the very early days where it was being driven by pockets of enthusiastic individuals. You know, I think we're very much in that space at the moment. Um, you know, I remember stalking the corridors with some big corporates at that point in time, trying to get people to pay attention to this thing called Facebook and, and Twitter. And it was that kind of like, what's that what's that weirdo talking about you know it's kind of like we've got our brochure over here um then it started becoming more the only conversation that was happening and then to alexis's point it became the water we were swimming um and i think that transition we we need to learn from that digital transformation because we've got a lot of it wrong in the middle of that so how can we learn from some of those things, you know, that the whole big ship digital transformation project mm. that took two years to deliver and was kind of way out of date by the time anything was delivered. Let's not do that again. No. And also, I mean, leadership was a big challenge with regards to digital transformation. They didn't see the value in in or the value creation of, of some of those components. And and the marketers particularly didn't feel adequate to build that business case at, at, at that time. Um, but of course, then COVID comes along and oof, there was a significant shift to that transformation, wasn't there? Even even yeah. the most, um, you, you know, the most cynical of those still still holding on to not, not being as, as digitally aware as they needed to be kind of accelerated that understanding quite quickly. Absolutely. One of, one of the challenges, I suppose, then for marketers, and again, this is something that will hopefully become more business as usual where it's it's kind of where do the options and the choices so as a marketer you're now saying okay i've got my responsible lens uh our brand whether it's our brand uh you know decision making or a, a, a frameworks whatever frameworks we're using these are the frameworks that we're going to use and and we've got a different criteria for selection for where we put our money for where we spend our money for where we for how we do our marketing whether or not we're even going to do marketing, maybe we're going to do less of, of that, you know, is another consideration we all need to be thinking about. Um, but there aren't often the choices for marketers. So, you know, Gemma's with um, We Are Eight, you know, they're looking at, at, at being a, a, a more kind of impactful ad platform, um, the GoodNet, GoodLoop. But, you know, I'm struggling to find many other options where we can point marketers to say, well, transition your spend away from there. And yes, this will look a little bit different over here, but there are other options. What are your views about how this is going to transition? Um, for, for me, I think this is where actually it gets exciting. Mm. 
you know, you could poke a stick at where marketing is in a moment and say we've got a set number of tram lines that we just follow for everything. It's kind of like new product, what's my media, what's my website, you know, what's my social plan, what's my content strategy? You know, crank the handle over and over again, we run on the, the treadmill. Um, and there's a great report by McKinsey saying that because everybody's doing that, nobody's differentiating mm. themselves. You know, marketing prides itself on innovation. Yeah, actually, the innovation we've been delivering kind of like over recent years has just been incremental. Mm. Nothing massive has changed. Um, where's the radical transformation? We need the radical transformation to make sustainable marketing work. You know, Alexis and I have had some frustrating conversations with some agencies that have just said, tell us what we need to tell the clients to do. So I'm like, well, we can't give you that answer because it's got to be, that's what you're the creative agency for, isn't it? You know, it's so start thinking properly transformational and properly innovative. You know, if you think back to the digital transformation era, you know, companies and agencies would set up incubation labs that would change things. Mm. None of that's happening. You know, and one of the things we talk about a lot in the compass is actually reframing how you look at success. So actually, at the moment, we're an organization, we're a department in the corporate board that can celebrate a 1% efficiency or 1% success rate on a campaign. Can't imagine operations or manufacturing getting away with that. You know, so where's the trans radical transformation challenge that says we're not going to put any implement implementation in place that doesn't have a success rate over 75%. That moonshot type thinking. Mm. And that should be such a huge, exciting challenge for marketeers. Isn't that why we got into it? Because it allows us to be genuinely creative. I think also as well, actually, on, on, on top of that, I, we, we love asking people, which really gets the brains going. It's like, imagine if you didn't have a marketing budget, but you still had the same, you still had to hit the same KPIs. What would you do? And it is amazing when you actually just start getting them even just thinking like that. And I um, I work in a co-working space sometimes and it's run by two people that own a design thinking agency. And I've had such interesting conversations, which is some of the thinking we brought in actually to the framework is this zooming so far out, zoom out of marketing completely, start looking at other industries, start looking at other, you know, other um, functions within your company and start looking at them for inspiration rather than just back into marketing again and again, start, you know, really thinking outside the box with this one. I think um, it's amazing some of the ideas they've come up with. It is interesting because you've got, um, as you say, it's it's Zoom right out on what you've been doing. And actually, if you didn't have a marketing budget, what would you do? Because actually, if you if you really did get through the whole social media, advertising, everyone doing the same 0.9% engagement on social platforms, it's all smoke and mirrors anyway. So, so you you know, everyone's just doing, as you said, they're on the train tracks, they're just doing what they've always done. Yet the circular economy is absolutely a, a, a goldmine of new ways of thinking and bringing society into your marketing plan. You know, if people are talking about, you know, this is where Too Good To Go are just being phenomenal yeah. with their word of mouth marketing. Yeah. You know, they don't have to go and spend, uh, allocate huge amounts of their budget to to the channels we've always known because people are doing it for them, aren't they? And I think word of mouth and social marketing have not been used enough because of technology recently. 
I mean, another prime example, a really good example of this actually is Tesla. I mean, I found the case study of them not so long ago. And, you know, they haven't, they're the eighth most valuable company in the world. They might have shifted in the last three months to probably number two. I mean, considering they're moving so fast up the ramps. But they haven't sent a single penny on marketing. They haven't said, you know, and, and when you start to think of it like that, because they took it from a completely different approach, they went in and said, okay, right, how can we enter this industry? Um, but think of it in a completely different way. And um, Paul often talks about this in terms of, you know, you've got to do the, the naught to 60 is an absolute fundamental. We cannot go away from it because that's how everyone will rate us. And safety is another thing. Like it has to be the safest car because that those are two criteria that the automotive industry, you just cannot leave. But everything else, let's just rethink it. And one of the things they looked into was that um, car salesmen are probably some of the most annoying people in the world, according to research, and actually put people off buying cars. So they then just set up display rooms with information people in the, you know, people who could answer any questions, but you, you physically cannot buy a car at a display room. You know, you have to go and buy it online. And suddenly it becomes a really nice experience. You go along, you don't feel pressured, you get to learn about it, you get to test drive it, and you haven't got someone constantly hammering on your door telling you about it. Mm. And and they did that and they did also a big um, referral scheme as well. And they they also, as, as uh, Paul says, is, you know, they've absolutely nailed it in the Nord 60. They're still the fastest car off the blocks. So yeah. they, they're, they're really sexy. They're so desirable. And it's all word of mouth. Yeah. And that's uh, what I love about that is that that's pure marketing, really, because what they've done is understood the pain points and the issues that go on for the customer. You know, if the customer gets bugged by the sales guy, let's remove the sales guy and let's turn this into a great experience. What does a great experience look like and what serves us as well? So finding that balance between the pain points and the needs and the desires of your audience versus what works for you and is innovative and interesting and differentiates you. That's marketing, right? That's what we do. That's that's what, what, that, what we're looking for. So we've all potentially got a little bit lazy. And but also uh, it's trust, isn't absolutely. it? Like it, it builds trust. And that's yeah. what's so, well, we know that trust is at an all time low. And so many, if you don't build trust and word of mouth is the most trusted form of marketing, because it's not you telling the story as a marketer, isn't it? Other people are telling that story for you. And I think, I think there's a lot to be said for the word of mouth out there. I mean, you know, reviews are still very popular, but again, there's all the tricks in the, tra- in the trade, you know, to, to manipulate that score, but absolutely word of mouth, I think it's the, the way forward. How do you see the role of marketing moving forward? I think it's going to become a regulate, you know, regulatory function going forward. I think that's the role of marketing. It's not going to be this big commercially driven function. It's going to be one that can actually um, drive positive impact across environmental and societal pillars as much as commercial. Um, you know, we're very aware companies say, well, what do you mean? You know, they get really worried. They think you're not going to mention commercial in it. We're fully aware that a company needs to have a commercial angle to it. We're not saying that, but I think it's having a much greater um, regulation on it so that you you drive impact across all three pillars, depending obviously on what your company is really trying to focus on uh, and, and moving away from this yeah, just com- sole commercial focus. Yeah, at any cost. So we like to wrap up the show. I mean, we could talk forever and ever, and uh, I hope we get lots of opportunities to do so in the future. But um, we like to wrap up the show with these three 
quick fire questions for Paul. Can marketing save the planet? Yes, I think I think it has to, but also thinking saving the planet will save itself. Fantastic. Alexis. Same thoughts. <laughs> and Alexis, what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? I hope business has a triple bottom line where they can they can actively and really transparently show their positive impact on society and environment as much as looking after their employees and everything else. So where it's business becomes a force for good where society around it and the environment around it can feel the good. You know, it's, it's not just taking all the time. It's actually sending stuff back into the world in a positive way. And Paul, anything to add to that one? No, I'm going to cheat like Alexis did and say did to Love it. Okay. So from each of you, if you could give one piece of advice to others getting started with sustainable marketing, what would it be? Over to you, Alexis. I would say educate yourself on sustainability first. That would be my number one thing before you even start thinking about your own function. Start understanding the much wider landscape. There is so much material out there. Michelle and Gemma have got a shed load of material already that you can look into. But it's it really is. I think that's where learning from the literally the personal journey that Paul and I have been on, we wouldn't have got to where we got to today. And we're still very much on that journey on a daily basis if we hadn't had that sustainability knowledge. You know, we sort of educated ourselves in that area to start with. For me, it's um, stop thinking at the execution and stop thinking for what's my message. It's re-evaluate where you are, look at the capability of marketing within your organisation, where does sustainability sit as part of, uh, uh, as you're going through that education piece. It's kind of like, it's a new muscle that the team needs to build. How do you build it? Fantastic. Well, guys, it's been phenomenal to have you on the show. Where can people find out more about the work that you're doing? Um, on on the, the Compass website, so the, the uh, sustainablemarketingcompass.com. Perfect. We'll link to that. So it just leaves us to say a big thank you to both of you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you both soon. 